You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Would you open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, please? In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, sort of been our anchor scripture for the series that we're in. It says this, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Gabby preached out of this last week. We're in a series that we've called The Resilience Project, uh, basically unpacking this idea of having faith that endures. What, what does it look like to have a faith that is strengthened and enduring, whether we're on the mountaintops or in the valleys? Whether we're faced with questions or whether there's doubt or uncertainty in the shakings of life, how do we develop a strong and enduring faith that we finish the race well? One of the things as we started this series, I said in almost 15 years of leading a church, the thing that grieves me the most as a leader is to see people who started out strong, running after the things of God, who actually then, for whatever reason, because of disappointment and hurt and the stuff of life that happens... Stop being involved in church, and some even who stop walking with the Lord. It grieves me as a leader because I want us to be a people who have faith that endures, who finish well, not just who, who, who are a flash in the pan, who go hard for two years and then burn out and never want to be involved. We want to have longevity. We want to end well. We want to build enduring faith. So the question we're asking is, how do I strengthen my faith to stand the trials of life? How do I strengthen my faith to finish well? And if you've missed any weeks in this series, let me encourage you. There, uh, you can go onto the website. You can go onto wherever you get your podcast, and you can kind of go back because we've kind of, you know, it hasn't been a, like every week we've added on. There's been other interruptions, and we've had other people in to share different things. So you can go back and listen to those different parts of the series because they're all, I think, really helpful um, in building a strong, resilient faith. Faith is not a currency. Faith is a focus. Faith is not like coins in your pocket that you spend to get more spiritual things. Faith is the gaze of our soul upon our Savior. Faith is a focus upon the person and presence of Jesus. Resilient faith is faith that can stay focused upon him despite the stuff that's going on around us. So we have to fight to stay focused on Jesus. Faith that endures continually focuses and redirects toward Jesus and deals ruthlessly with the things around us or the things in our lives that would try and take our focus away from him. So when something comes at you, and this is a good test for your maturity or your resilience of your faith. If something comes at you in life that is trying to get you to put your focus on that and off of Jesus, it's a good faith test. The more mature we are, the quicker we get our gaze and keep our gaze upon him. The less mature we are, at times we can, we can get sidetracked. We can go on a, a side path for a little while of woe is me and all the stuff and look at this thing. And there's very real things that we face. I'm not trying in any way to downplay the, the realness of the stuff that comes against us. But to have faith that endures, we have to stay focused on Jesus. One of the things that can either strengthen and solidify our faith or can cause us to be shaken are the questions of life. 
in life and in the kingdom, in normal life and in church life, we, we have lots of questions. We're faced with questions. We're, to be honest, we're actually bombarded with questions. All sorts of stuff. What's my purpose? How do I live life? What should I give my time to? What should I focus on? How do I raise my kids? How do I discipline my kids? Do I discipline my kids? Um, what, what do I do when it doesn't seem like God's answering my prayer? How do I serve God faithfully? Where should, I, uh, where should I live? What should I focus on? What's important? What deserves my attention? What should I not give attention to? Do I focus on the love of God or the holiness of God? I mean, there's all sorts, there's all sorts of questions. If these aren't questions that you've thought, I'm not trying to put questions in, <laughs> I'm not trying to shake your faith, but we're bombarded with questions and it's okay. Questions aren't bad. Life's full of questions. Unfortunately, even in the last few years, we've, there's been some questions around us that have become so loud that they've actually taken the focus of many believers away from Jesus. And at times have divided the church. The church is divided over some of the questions. Questions like, let me be honest and, and just because you guys are all thinking it anyways, should Christians get the COVID vaccine or not? Should we follow restrictions or protest against them? What's the role and focus of the church? Is this the end times? If it is the end times, does it change how we should live? How do we respond to wars? How do we respond to natural disasters? There's a lot going on around us. There's a lot of questions. God doesn't mind our questions. Can I say this? In fact, I think God likes our questions. It's not the questions that are the problem. It's where we go to for answers. It's not the questions that are the problem. It's good to have questions. Questions, if, they take us, if we take them to Jesus and they, they, they cause us to focus upon him, actually will strengthen our faith. The problem is where do we go to for answers? Did you find 2 Timothy? I haven't forgotten about it. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says this. For the time is coming when people will, uh, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. James 2, uh, sorry, James 1 Verse 2 to 6, we read this at the, at the beginning of this series a couple of weeks ago. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various uh, right, tr trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Somebody said that, ev that the answer to every question of life can be found in the word of God if you're willing to search for it like a man or woman who is mining for gold. You can prospect for gold. You know what prospecting, you, you get, you get a, a little um, pan and you can sift it with water, or you look you know, with the metal detector for bits of gold sitting on the surface. And in the Word of God, there's gold sitting on the surface as well. If you open it and you read it, it's there, and there's gold there. But some of the deeper questions of life, it takes a mining, it takes a searching, it takes a going deeper than the verse of the day. 
It takes it going deeper than just, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spend 30 seconds when I wake up. And if that's all you're doing right now, that's a good starting place. But it takes going deeper to find the answers to deeper questions. Because often, they're heart questions. There's lots of people who want to tell us that they know the answers. There's lots of people who have made money writing books telling you that they have the answers. Although many of them only ask more questions. If we don't go to the right place for answers, our faith can be weakened. There's also lots of, lots of people who will only look for answers from the places that will affirm what they've already decided to believe. Or what they've already decided to do. Can I be honest? This is what Paul's writing about in 2 Timothy 3. That we gather around us teachers who, get, who, who tell us what our itching ears want to hear. If we've already decided this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to do, then we're only going to look for people who affirm what I've already decided. Rather than letting who God is and his word shape my belief and what I do. Some of the questions of life are there to strengthen our faith as we wrestle through them. But some of the questions are thrown at us as a ploy of the enemy to take our eyes off of Jesus, to take us away from his perfect plan. So if we want to strengthen our faith, if we want to have faith that endures, where do we go for answers? Number one, we go to the Lord in prayer. If you read the Psalms, you'll actually read a lot of questions. There's so many questions in the book of Psalms. I, I love it. I've been reading through Psalms. And then Mark said this morning, he's been reading through Psalms. It's great. There's so many questions. But they're questions asked of the Lord. The psalmist is asked the question of the Lord. Why is my soul so downcast? He's not, he's not asking his friend, hey friend, why am I so downcast? Oh God, why do I feel like this? God, why, do you, why does it feel like you're distant from me? He's asking the question of the Lord. Go to the Lord in prayer. Remember that faith is about relationship. It's relational, not transactional. So are your questions bringing you to the person and presence of Jesus? If we think transactionally, we think I've just got to do the things and I, you know, I've just got to find the answer. The, the answer is not just the answer. The answer is being closer to Jesus. So will you take your questions to the Lord in prayer? If you're bringing them to him in intimacy, then they'll strengthen your faith. They'll, they'll strengthen your relationship with him. If you don't bring them to him first, if you ask them of the wrong people, often those questions can cause us to question the character and nature of who God is. We actually don't bring them to him. We ask the wrong people. We look around us. We, we look for, for cultural wisdom. And that actually takes us away from a deeper relationship with him. It's what happened to Job's friends in the book of Job. I'd love to just read you the whole book of Job, but we don't have time this morning. Spend some time if you want. But basically is this. They thought they were being helpful by giving him advice, but they actually begin to question the very character of God. But Job remains faithful, even though everything's going on around him. And he says, no, no, I will not question who God is. Have you asked God what he thinks with your question? Have you asked the Lord, God, what do you think about this? 
And I don't mean a flippant 30-second sort of, God, will you please bless what I've already decided to do sort of prayer. Because, you know, we do that sometimes. I mean, setting time aside to fast and to pray and seek God's heart. Young E. Chow led a church um, in South Korea before he passed away that still, still is, I think, the largest congregation in the world, somewhere between 800,000 to a million people um, in Seoul. Um, and when people in the church, I mean, that's, that's a big church. That's a big church. Their prayer meetings are amazing. Their prayer meetings are so, so, um, like, so loud. Like, they just kind of, they fill a stadium of people. And they say, this is what we're going to pray for. And then they just all pray at the top of their voices. They're so loud they have to ring like a bell through the sound system to get people to stop so they can say, like, we're going to pray for the next thing. It's like, ding, 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 ding. Okay, next. Anyways, when people in, in the church wanted to meet with somebody to get perspective, you know, they wanted to, to, to meet and get some counsel um, in the church, before they agreed to meet with them, they would say this. Take three days to fast and pray and seek God. If you still haven't heard God after that or you still have a question, then we'll meet with you. I think we should do this. Three days. You go fast and pray and seek God. What they said was 90% of people didn't need to come back and meet with somebody because they actually heard God. Because God wants to speak to you. Where do you go with your questions? Take them to God in prayer. Take them to the Lord first. Actually ask him, what do you think about this thing? God, would you, would you speak to me? He wants to speak to you. Do you bother to ask him? So often, oh, Paul, I need to have a coffee with you. I've got all this stuff. Paul, can I have your time? You know, I just say Paul because he's so pastoral and lovely and he's nice to have a coffee with. You know, it's, oh, you know, Louise, can we catch up, please? And then it's like, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it's like, well, have you asked God? No. I'm not trying to be rude, but like you've wasted an hour of our time because you haven't even asked the Lord. And we love you and we pray for you and we want to get, you know, give you good perspective, but please ask God first. Because you don't need my thoughts. You need God's thoughts. Where do you go for answers? Firstly to the Lord in prayer. What God thinks then will never contradict his written revelation in his word, in the Bible. Which brings us to the second point. Where do you go for answers? Go to the Bible. There's such an attack on the authority of the word because if you can undermine the authority of the word, then you undermine everything else about how we live this life following Jesus. So go to the Lord in prayer and then go to the Bible. What does the Bible actually say about it? Before you talk to somebody, before you go to YouTube or listen to the podcast or read a book or a commentary, have you studied the Bible? Psalm 119 Verse 97 to 105, it's a very long book, it's the longest book in the Bible, it says this, oh how I love your law, it's talking about the word of God, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day, I meditate upon the word of God, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me, not just at times, it's ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. How do you get wisdom to meditate upon the word of God? I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from evil in every way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 
Through, through your uh, precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word, this is the bit that everyone knows this next little bit. This is kind of like the one that we quote. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you study the Bible for an answers and actually let it form and fashion your beliefs, your thoughts, your actions, the way you live? I was talking to somebody um, a little while ago about a good kingdom question. Uh, before this series, one of the things that we preached in our previous series um, was being an apostolic people, being a prophetic people. And their question was this, what does being an apostolic and prophetic people actually look like? And I was surprised because in the first place they went to was to YouTube. And they had watched a whole, like a whole, spent a whole day on YouTube and we were quite confused about what being an apostolic and prophetic people looked like because of what had they'd found on YouTube. Now, YouTube's not bad in itself. There's some really helpful things there. But Elsa has a lot of rubbish. Just, that's the caveat. Helpful, but can't have rubbish. It's the Bible that's God's word. It has the power to reveal our hearts, to transform our lives, to draw us closer to the heart of God. It's the Bible that is our standard. I want to say this so that it's on the recording, and you guys know it, and feel free to tell your friends that we are a church that stands upon the standard of the Bible in every area. It's not up for, for reinterpretation. There are some areas that are gray. There's some areas where we can have, we can have varying uh, interpretations of doctrine, varying ways of outworking, and that's fine. We can live in that tension. But we're not reinterpreting the Word of God. It's our standard. Other resources can be helpful. But they can also be very confusing and unhelpful. It's not somebody's opinion of the Bible that has the power to transform our lives. It's the Bible, the Bible itself. It's not somebody's book about what the Bible says that has the power to transform our lives. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God, that word is the logos word of God. You know, we've talked about Logos and Rhema. There's a spoken word of God that we hear God, you know, and, and, and we, we respond to him. This is the written word of God. The Bible is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's something that I think we don't teach enough if we're going to have mature strong faith, and that is to submit ourselves under the authority of the word, to spend time in it, because when you read it, the Bible talks about to be cleansed by the washing of the word. There's a washing, there's a cleansing, there's a, there's a shifting that takes place, there's a revealing of our hearts, and there's a drawing us to the person and presence of Jesus when we spend time in the word of God. When we, when we you know, again, I'm not making fun of the verse of the day, but not just a verse once a day, but to, to, to feast upon it, to study it, to go, what does it say about this topic? One of my favorite things, it's probably just the way my brain works. Louise, Louise and I, we've talked about having really opposite brains. She probably, I don't know if you do this or not, maybe you love it. I love to like think of a topic and then find everything the Bible says about it. Oh, good, there you go. Say, we found a, we found a similar, even, she probably does it in a different way. The way that Louise would write that down would be in a big circle. And I write it in a, I write it in a list. <laughs> she, draw, <laughs> she draws pictures. 
I make lists, that's okay. I like to find everything the Bible says about something. Every scripture, from the very beginning to the very end. There's a thing about when you're studying the Bible, the law of first mention. Where does it first mention in the Bible? It helps you understand the rest of it. Anyways, there's some studying things that we can talk more about. But do we sit under the word of God? Do you, do you spend time asking the Lord in prayer and then studying the Bible and saying, what does the Bible say about this decision I'm going to make? Even with so-called Christian books, you have to always read them with the lens of, is this actually what the Bible says? Just because you can buy it in Kurong doesn't mean that what the writer is writing is actually what the Bible says. Can I be honest? Because you can take a whole bunch of scriptures that are one side of the truth that's intention, and you can make a really good argument for this side, and you can write a book about it, but it's actually totally out of whack. Because you've left out all the other truth that is held in tension in the Bible. It's, it's a big book. It takes some studying. It takes some digging. It takes some mining to find out, God, what, how should I live my life? Who do you say that you are? How do I relate to you? I've seen people buy into all sorts of strange theologies and get caught up in secondary issues. Get confused, get led astray. But even, to be honest, believe full-blown heresies because they've believed the book but actually never brought it back to the Bible. Some of the answers people have, tr have tried to give for some of the questions that we faced over the last few years even, even some of the preachers, are because they've taken a few verses out of context of the whole Bible or a truth or a focus and made it the truth or the focus. We have to have wisdom when the questions come up, and they will come up, and the questions of life, to not go, I'm just going to jump on this thing that I've already decided and now try and make an argument around it. And go, what is the whole counsel of God? How do we hold this truth in tension? How do, we, how do we act with wisdom? And you know what? We can have different opinions on some things, and that's okay, as long as we don't make it the focus. As long as we don't take our eyes off of Jesus. We fought as a church over the last three years to stay ruthlessly focused on Jesus and on his mission. There's a lot of other stuff you can get on about that we're just not going to get on about because it's about Jesus and it's about his mission. Because when you actually look at the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about Jesus and his mission. It's the kingdom. We have to hold in tension everything else the Bible says. Not just the bits that we like. We have to come to the Lord in prayer. Come to the Bible first. And th this is my last point. Where do we go for answers? Bring them to leaders who have to give an account for you. Ooh. Hebrews 13 says this. Hebrews 13 verse 7 to 9 and then verse 17 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God. So not just people who tell you that they're your leaders, but they're speaking the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. Wow. I mean, that's in the Bible. Verse 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. We get caught up on this. But it, then it goes on to say this. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I like that part of it. 
please let us lead you with joy and not with groaning. <laughs> Same for parents. It's like my children. Let me, let me lead you and raise you with joy and not with groaning. Ugh. I'm not talking to, I, 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 what I'm not saying is, um, I'm not talking about running every decision by, by a leader or having to get permission. That's control. That's not leadership. Like, you actually need to go to the Lord in prayer and study the Bible. You don't need to get permission. If anyone tells you you have to get their permission, they're controlling. That's not leadership. I'm talking about getting wisdom when you have questions. I'm talking about asking the right people. It means leaders in your local church context, who, and let me qualify this, who know you, who love you, who pray for you, who want, what, who want what's best for you, and who want to see you become more like Jesus. Everyone has an opinion. It's not necessarily helpful. It's not, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, don't go to an online ministry in another country that you follow on social media with your questions. Follow anyone, follow whoever you want. But ask the questions, journey life, get counsel from those who love you, who know you, who are praying for you, who are wanting to see you become more like Jesus, and who are in the same context that you're in. There's a lot of commentary from other nations on what we should be doing here in Melbourne, Victoria. And they don't know. I'm just telling you, they're not here. Yeah? They, should quick, they can keep quiet. They can be quiet. It's like, we don't need that. that. They don't, they're not here. Literally, there was like people online during COVID saying that like there was tanks in the street and the army had been mobilized and we were like, they were going to come to liberate us. And I was like, that's not happening. They're not here. Take your questions to people who have to give an account for you. Because as leaders in a local church context, ordained by the Lord, we have to stand before the Lord one day and say, how did I disciple these people to become more like Jesus? There's a responsibility on leaders. That's the weight of leadership. If Jesus has added you to a local church, then ask the people who Jesus has called to lead you and give an account for you. Get their wisdom, not their permission. Get their perspective. Go to the Lord in prayer. Study the Bible and ask leaders who have to give an account. All of that requires a humble heart. If we really, I mean, we're getting down to the, this is the nuts and bolts of how do we develop resilient, strong, enduring faith. Faith that stands when things around us are really shaken. Faith that stands, I mean, you know, what if, I, I pray this doesn't happen, but what if every one of the, the eldership team got thrown in, in prison this week? What would you do? Have you ever thought about that? Because that's the reality in places in the world. Would you, would you like have a meltdown and be like, oh my gosh. Or like, would you pray? I, I hope you'd pray. Just um, like, there's a little hint. The answer to the question is, Gather and pray, please. Like, <laughs> like Peter, God can open prison doors. I mean, the Bible was written in that context, just so you know. Like that one day, the person who was leading the church wasn't there because they were in prison for preaching the gospel. So they gathered and they prayed. And God set them free. They gathered and they prayed. And they kept preaching the gospel. They didn't get sidetracked. 
It requires a humble heart to be a people who go, I'm going to do these things and put them into place in my life. If there's pride in our hearts, we'll be a 2 Timothy 3 type of people. If there's pride in our hearts, we'll gather around us teachers who, who, who say what we already have decided to believe. Who say what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. If there's pride in our hearts, we can sit, under a, we can sit in a preach, we can even read the Bible and go, that doesn't apply to me. It requires a humble heart to submit ourselves to the counsel of God and allow him to shape our belief and our actions and our practice. To be teachable requires humility. I feel like God's calling us to humble ourselves, to lay down our stubbornness and our pride. And can I be honest? I can be the most stubborn. Thank you. On our 18th wedding anniversary, no truer word has been said. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Tag team preaching. It's like, there should be a meme about that. Like when you're preaching and the Lord just smacks you. God's calling us to humble ourselves. To lay down our stubbornness, to lay down our pride, to bring your thoughts and your ways under the lordship of Jesus this morning. There's some in the room, and you, you love him, but there's still some things you need to bring under his lordship. There's still some mindsets, there's still some ways of thinking, there's still some belief structures that you need to bring under his lordship. And allow him to readjust. It's not, it's not a harsh word. It's a loving word. Because God wants, his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. We don't know them until we know them. He wants to reveal them to you. He's like, I, I want the best for you. I want what's best for your life. And sometimes it doesn't even look like, in the natural it doesn't look logical. It doesn't make sense. You go, all my other friends are telling me to do it that way, but God's saying to do it this way, and it doesn't make sense. It's going to cost me more money. It's going to take me more time. But God's saying, my ways are good for you. Do it my way. Do it my way. If we don't allow Jesus, who he is, and his word to shape and to form us, to shape and form our beliefs, our values, our actions, then can I be as forthright as to say you are not actually following Jesus. You believed a false gospel. If you believe that you can love Jesus but not actually bring your life in alignment with the way he's told us to live. Can we stand together? Lord, this morning, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are loving and you're holy. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. Lord, we humble ourselves. Lord, this morning, I humble myself and submit again to your lordship. 
Lord, we bring our thoughts and our mindsets and our belief structures again under the lordship of Jesus. Lord, where there's things in my life, where there's things in our lives, Lord, that are contrary to your character and nature, that are contrary, Lord, to your pattern in your word, Lord, we bring them and submit them again to you. Lord, I say, would you show us, reveal, Lord, those things, Lord, those, those mindsets, Lord, those, those strongholds even, Lord, that are contrary to your ways, Lord. Lord, and we bring them under your lordship. I say, would you adjust us? Lord, like a chiropractor bringing a back back into alignment, Lord, would you do some spiritual um, chiropracting <laughs> with us this morning? Some, some alignment. Align us again spiritually. Bring us into alignment with who you are, with your character, with your nature, with your pattern. Lord, we just declare again, your ways are good. Your ways are good. I want to say over you this morning, his ways are good. Well, there's somebody here today, and you've been saying, is this really the best thing? And I want to say, his ways are good. His ways are good. He loves you. Stop fighting. Stop running. Sir, ma'am, stop running. His ways are good. Would you bring yourself back under his good and perfect ways? Lord, form our beliefs, form our values, form the way we live. Lord, Lord, fill us with your love. Fill us with your love for the lost. Lord, that, that the things that you value in the word, Lord, you value the lost. You value the broken, Lord. Lord, break our hearts for that, Lord, that it would be things that we value, Lord, that we actually would give time to that, not just lip service, but that our lives would be focused around your glory, to, to, to know you and to make you known. Do heart surgery right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're adjusting and you're aligning right now. Thank you, Lord. I thank you that this decision is being made right now to stop doing things and to start doing things. This decision is being made right now to come under your lordship again. We thank you, Lord. We do business with you right now. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.